All right, then. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We give God glory. We give him honor. We give him praise this morning. Greet all of you, brothers, sisters, ladies, gentlemen, men and women of God, prayer warriors, intercessors. My God, heads of state, heads of household this morning, governmental officials, whoever's out there this morning that's chiming in on this first day after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hopefully there's still something burning in your heart, some residue this morning from a wonderful celebration this yesterday of the resurrection and the Passover, uh, amen, uh, lamb this uh, that was risen, not dead, but alive. You ask us how we know. We know because he lives inside of us, amen. And it's no longer the eyes, but it is the Christ now that lives inside of each and every one of us believers this morning who have confessed him as our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he has come in to us this morning and he is greater than anything in this world man greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world so we go forth today in the victory that jesus has given that god has given us through his son jesus christ and i just thank god thank god for the wonderful service yesterday thank god for the pastors that, that ministered yes and shared yesterday and we just thank god that that word went out is not coming back Boy, it is impacted in a positive way. The thinking of people about how they how they celebrate that annual commemorative service. And we pray that that will stick with them going forward, that they'll have a reflection point that they can always look back and say, I know something today that I did not know yesterday. I've learned something and hold on to what you learned. Amen. Because it was a tremendous price that was paid that we might have access to the father and so we access god this morning in the name of jesus christ we come together this morning to honor him it's all about him he's our example you know he is the price that was paid he is the sacrificial lamb of god who took our place died in our place sins forgiven blood is still yet making an atonement there's still life in the flesh in the blood of jesus and it is that flow, that flow from heaven this morning. That blood is still working this morning. That blood is still covering and atoning, sanctifying this morning, consecrating this morning, washing away sins this morning, remitting things this morning because it never loses its power this morning. So may the blood of Jesus be applied to your life today, a fresh uh, uh, anointing through the blood of Jesus. May it be applied this morning in the spirit. I, I pray that spiritual hyssop will be on you this morning, going around your life this morning, the, the, the mantles of your life, the vertical uh, uh, side posts of your life, inside and out this morning, that the blood of Jesus will cover you, cover your families, your household, the door, the entranceways, the thresholds, that nothing evil will come in and nothing evil, my God, hallelujah, hallelujah, will gain access access to you, your seed, your seed, seed, nothing that you own, your property, your vehicles, my God, your bank accounts, your health, you know, your, your soul, that no part of your life and anything in your possession that God has blessed you with. I pray that it be covered by the blood of Jesus today as you go about. Amen. Because I know there's been a stirring in hell saying mm, they got one more service in where somebody really celebrated the resurrection. And my God, and so some enemies have been turned back, been defeated because of that celebration yesterday. And so we thank God and we praise God that we have a victory this morning because of the Lord Jesus Christ. One more time, another black guy given to the devil and his imps that tried to harass us. Amen. Tried to get us stuck in tradition, tried to take us back down that old place we used to be and how we celebrated yesterday. But we thank God that we know the truth. And we did it his way. We did it the right way. We did it the better way. We did it the best way. We did it the only way it should be celebrated. So we give God praise for that. That is our victory. Amen. Knowing the truth and being able to deal in truth, walk in truth, you know, yeah. 
you know, being on one accord with truth. Amen. Nothing like it. I tell you. So God was, he was praised yesterday. He was honored yesterday and we honor him this morning. We praise him now. Amen. And so we thank the Lord. Amen. For all that participated, supported, you know, came out. Amen. Chimed in. Amen. Rolled with us yesterday from start to finish. And as we come this morning, we're going to pick up our study this morning. It's Monday morning, you know, April the 5th. Amen. Thank God for this month, man. I'm, I'll be, a, I'll turn another year old here shortly. Amen. We thank God on Saturday. We were able to celebrate Pastor Eric and Pastor Phoebe's 29th wedding anniversary. Amen. We just, we just thank God for them 29 years and thank God for the next 29 or 30, 40 or 50. Amen. That they're going to endure and enjoy together and serve the Lord together. It's just a beautiful thought to know that that's possible. Amen. Thank God for my wife this morning been with me 35 years. Amen. And we give God the credit and the praise for keeping us through every one of them and for the ones that are yet to come. Amen. We thank God. Amen. That, the, you know, for this month. Amen. That this is be number 66 here in a couple of weeks. Amen. We give God praise. Amen. For all those of you out there that celebrating some wonderful event that you know it was had not have been for the Lord, you wouldn't have made it. So we love you this morning. Amen. As we come this morning, greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just so excited, so full, you know, hey, man, I, I just feel it bubbling over, sizzling over. All is well with my soul this morning. You know, I'm still heavy laden about some things going on, still interceding for some things that are going on. Amen. 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 I, I accept that burden. Amen. I pray for those out there that are going through, trying to pick up their life and put it back together. Those that are experiencing weather, tornadoes and storms seem to be on the rise. Those natural disasters been praying and speaking calm and peace to them. Amen. Imitating what Jesus did. Amen. And so we continue to do that this morning. Amen. Been praying about the, 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 the situation that happened on the Capitol as they commemorated the officer who lost his life and they had a big celebration. The officer that was that survived, they released him yesterday. His condition has improved and they had a big celebration as he came out. They pushed him out in the wheelchair to get in the family car to go home. And he was amazed, man, at how many people came out to greet him. And so even when the other day I saw a, a clip where they was taking the other officer who lost his life, Officer Evans, uh, to the, the hospital, they had a, escorted a, a, every police officer in the Capitol area, man, was in that cave, motorcade. Is that, and that's a, a, a practice that they do when they lose one of their comrades. I thought it was very noble for them to do that, uh, even on the way to the hospital, knowing that he had already deceased, amen. But it's just a wonderful thing to know that there are people who care about their fellow worker. There are people who care about people, genuinely care about people, and they don't want to see anything happen to them. I pray that that's how we feel this morning, that we care about people. We care about people that's not like us, don't look like us. We care about lost souls because Jesus said he loved all souls. They belong to him. And if we're going to imitate him and show our Christ likeness, we're going to have to love some people that we ain't, you know, we ain't comfortable with loving because it's not our love anyway. It's the love of God that's shed abroad in our, in, in our spirits by the Holy Ghost, in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So we thank God for the ability that he's given us to love everybody all the time in every situation, to get along with everybody all the time in every situation. You know, I mean, just to choose to do it and it happens. Amen. Because that's what Jesus chose to do and the father gave him the mission he said father hey if it be thy will take this bitter cup but if not let thy will be done lord and so that's what it's got to come down to you know picking up our cross and following him so we pray for all those previous events that have happened previous petitions we lift them up this morning they're still in effect this morning we're praying and believing god 
Amen. That the, that the answer is on the way. If it haven't arrived yet, that the, the prophecies of the word of God that we've been learning are, are still unfolding. If they haven't happened, that they will happen because amen. God said it. That's that. It's going to happen the way he said it. And so as we come this morning, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Abba, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debt to all. not in the temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is your kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Now, Holy Spirit, have your way. Touch, my God. Hallelujah. Deliver. Have your way this morning. In the name of Jesus. Direct this morning. Touch our men and women that are in uniform. Touch our governmental officials this morning. All that they'll be able to go forth and do their job today. Let the legislation that need to be signed and pushed through the houses, Lord God, of representatives and Congress and the Senate, Lord, let it go through without any interruptions, any hindrances that the people may receive, Lord God, the help that they need, that they, they urgently need, God. And we're just praying for to continuously to send forth healing in the land, Lord God, because the pandemic is, uh, there's an uptick we heard yesterday, but God, in the name of Jesus, we're praying and believing you for a tick down, oh God, a decrease in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and so we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor, Lord God, this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. All right then, so let's go back into the book of John uh, chapter 12, we're going to pick up our, our study, go back onto these revelations about Jesus Christ amen the last time we were together we talked about the revelations of jesus christ as a glorified son of man amen a glorified son of man not your typical son of man uh we're talking about a glorified son of man that knew from the get-go knew upon his uh coming upon his accepting of the father's uh, mission for him to come to earth down from heaven that he had to live his life in a in a spotless way so that he could satisfy what God had required of him on our behalf. So he had to be a glorified son, meaning that the end state of him coming was to earn his glorification, but he had to die to do it. That was the commitment. That was the mission. That was the task at hand. And it was definitely in thought a bitter thought, okay? But Jesus endured because he really believed that the father was able to make his bitter experience sweet in the end. And that was going to be the glorified, you know, son being glorified again with the father. But he had to fall in the ground as a morsel of wheat uh, to use that symbology and die in order to be reunited with the father after he finished his earthly mission. In other words, he finished the work that the father had tasked him to do. And so that was the revelation. And he was also proclaimed as king. You know, in that process, what a what a wonderful thought that he was proclaimed to be king and some of them ridiculed him. Some of the high priests and the elders and the Pharisees and, you know, as they attacked him as he was brought before their courts and their tribunals. And they said, yeah, you said that you're the king. He said, that's what you said. What do, who, who do you say I am? What do you say? You know, and even at Morris Hill where Paul preached, they had a sign up there that, you you know, the unknown God of the Jews, you know, that they worship. You know, because they really didn't know him. They knew of him. Some of the people in the in the time that Jesus was triumphantly making his way, you know, to his Passover, found out who he was because he did miracles in their midst. He, he healed folks that never been healed. He opened blind eyes. So he did a lot of things to demonstrate and to prove who he was, not only in word, but in the things that he did, the work that he did. And then he told 
<coughs> his disciples, you know, his, his, his disciples, he told them over and over again, he reinforced it to them that, hey, the work you see me do, you're going to do, and greater works are you going to do because the Father is going to send forth the promise, the ability to help, which is the Holy Ghost, the third person to God here, body, that you might have God with you, Emmanuel, that'll be there to help you to do the work that I'm doing, that I started. We're going to continue to perform that work until the day I return to get my church. And so then we, we saw that. We saw him proclaimed to be the king. And as he rode into the city, amen, right before his Passover, he was celebrated as Hosanna, meaning the one who saves. They shouted that, Hosanna, hear that, save, Hosanna, save. That's what they were saying. You know, they knew the city that they was in was in trouble, you know, amen, because they was plotting and planning how they was going to take him. But it was not to happen because he was in control, even, even in death, amen. He didn't give up the ghost until he was ready to give it up. And as he said, it's finished and gave up the ghost, amen. Them words came out of his mouth, you know, and they all heard it, amen. And some of them, because of what happened in the clouds and the thundering and the lightning and the rain and the, and, and the veil was rent in the temple, man, even the Roman soldiers say, that is truly the son of man up there on that cross, amen. That's truly the son of God, you know. He is the who he say was, amen, and many believe that day. So that's kind of where we left off at. Today we're going to pick up in another revelation where Jesus approached the city as the king, amen, and there was also a misunderstanding that broke out about, again, his messiahship, who he was. You know, it's always that misunderstanding. People always have that misunderstanding, you know, and a lot of times it's by choice. Because when you really, really look at Jesus and just believe the prophecy that was said about him, and a lot of them knew the prophecy, but they just refused to believe it because it threatened who they were. Some of the people in charge, you know, some of the big wheels, the well-known people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you know, the ones who made up the Sanhedrin council, you know, the governmental officials, you know, the scribes and the elders and all these people who had a little position, a little clout, a little power, you know, a little authority that they didn't even realize anymore that no authority is out there that God does not, they did not allow it. He didn't give it to you. You know, you know, God could have shut that stuff down, man, just like that. But one of the things I love about the father and his son, Jesus, because they're so much alike in the Holy Spirit. I mean, you see one, you just see all of them. They just seem like they just have that coherent, you know, ability, man, to just do the same thing. Amen. In their different, you know, their different roles, you know, third, the Godhead body. It seemed like all of them working toward the same thing. And what I love about it, man, is that they put no pressure on nobody to do anything. They simply taught you what you could do. They simply reminded you of what God would help you do. He was not going to do anything that he did not say or was prophesied or told before. He was not going to do anything else. Amen. Because that was not God's nature. God's nature was to put you in a position Amen. I say you, I'm talking about anybody out there. Okay. Even back then to put people in a position where it would be your choice to serve him, where it would be your willing ability to do it. You know, not no pressure. Okay. He wanted to draw you with loving kindness. He wanted to draw you to repentance with his goodness. And so he sent the best gift he could to be able to carry that message, not only in word, but also in deed. And man, what's such a misunderstanding from people that you, you felt like should have known because they were the 
Pharisees. They were the Sanhedrin council. They were the governing body on the commandments of God, you know, on what was to be taught, how the people were supposed to live. They answered all the questions, you know. And you would think, man, that here come the actual Messiah, Christ, the anointed one, the son of God. Isn't this the Messiah you've been expecting? Isn't this the one that, that Isaiah the prophet said was going to be born? Now he's full grown. He's been approved of the father. Didn't you get word that John baptized him and the, and the, and the angel came like a dove like figure? And God said, this is my beloved son whom I'm, I'm well pleased. He approved of him. He went about doing miracles. He went about in the synagogue healing people. You know, isn't everything that was said about him taking place right before you, your, your presence? How can you say he's, he's, he's of the devil? How can you say he's a blasphemer? He's doing everything that the prophets foretold that he would do in the Messianic prophecy. They're being fulfilled right in your presence, right in your midst. Why is there such a misunderstanding about who he is? He's doing what he said. He's doing what they said he would do. And so why, why, what, 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 what miracle that he's performing that's causing you to be, have so much anguish, have so much frustration, have, because they chose to misunderstand. You know, the truth is right there in front of you. And Jesus is walking in that truth because he is the way, the truth, and the light. And he's trying to present to them an opportunity here to be put back in right standing with the Father, who they all said. But they made the mistake to throw up in his face like he's ignorant and he don't know what time it is. He was in the beginning, the word with God, was God. Now he's incarnated, made flesh. So that's who he is. He hasn't changed. He brought that with him, you know, carried that with him. And so he already knows everything from the foundation of the world. He was there. In the beginning, he's going to be there in the end. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning in the end. So he already know the end at the beginning. And I love it because what he what he what he was 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 showing them, you know, was what I'm doing is not to harm you. It's to have you to make the decision, because as many of you as receive him to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God. You ain't a son of God because you're saying Abraham is our father. Moses is our father. And he's telling you, you know, to, to be able to build on what you're saying coming out of your mouth. Abraham loved to see my day. So how can you say that, that about Abraham? Because, you know, but you ain't but 50 years old. How can you make a statement to us like that about Abraham? He said, because I know your history better than you do. I know the history of the world because I was there when it was all being laid out. It was all being created. It was all being formed. And Abraham loved to see my day. Before Abraham was, I am, you know, and so they missed that. And that's what misunderstanding is all about. You misunderstand the Messiah. I was sharing with my son last night. If people don't get the beginning right, they're going to mess up the end and everything in between. And this is what we're seeing right now. So let's go in here, man, and pick up this discussion this morning and, and look at, you know, the, the, the misunderstanding about the Messiah, the king, as he approached the city. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to pick up at verse 20 this morning, try to get down to verse 36. If we don't, that's cool. But again, uh, let's look at it here. Let's go to verse 20. It says, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Now, remember, this is the Passover. We celebrated yesterday, but here they are. They're culminating this holy week as they have been preparing for it. Great anticipation and expectation in the city. Everybody was going to be at that feast. Everybody who was somebody, everybody who was nobody was going to make it to that feast. That was like the fair coming to town, the circus coming to town. 
You know, that's where everybody was at. That's where they were gathered. It says Greek people. So check out the representation of the crowd, the world, everybody in the world that could be there was there. And many of them by now sought to see Jesus because they had heard so much about him around the region. So a lot of them came there now because they had heard the prophecy. They went back and checked the historical records and they said, well, the, 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 the prophetic word says that this is the Messiah based on the things that he's done. So there was a mindset in the group. There was a group of people that had gathered together from a very diverse group, had one purpose for being there. They came to seek Jesus. They wanted to see how this thing was going to culminate. They wanted to see, you know, was was there a misunderstanding coming from some of their leaders, some of their local politicians, some of their local elders, which, which had been disputing everything that Jesus had taught the people in the synagogue. So a lot of people wanted to come and verify for themselves and validate for themselves. What am I saying to you? You got to know the truth for yourself. Don't take nobody's word for it. You, you ought to want to look in these scriptures and examine it and say, well, that's what the word said. Don't say that's what your bishop said. Don't say that's what Abraham said. Don't say that's what Mo said. But that's what the word said. It's in red. Jesus said it about himself. I read it, you know, and believe it or, 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 or you know, or don't believe it. You know, let it be your decision. Don't let it be based on somebody else, you know. And so you got this crowd, man. Some of them are there, man, still looking for an opportunity to destroy him, to kill him, to shut him up because they're jealous. He got a powerful message, man. Many people are being converted. Amen. They used to believe on what they said, but now they believe in what he said. And they're knowing the truth, man. You know, and so you got them from all over the world. They're a nice group of mixture of people. They're a very diverse group. And I thank God that many of them in the crowd was there for the right reason to seek Jesus, the Passover lamb. Amen. The one, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed son of the living God. If they were going to have any hope, it was going to be in him. So they had to get to that feast, man. They had to be at that celebration to see how this thing was going to end, you know, to see what was going to be his last words and testament to the crowd. You know, but there was others walking around the crowd, spreading all them lies to people, talking about when it come time for, 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 you know, for the release of, of a prisoner, we want Barabbas. We don't want Jesus, you know. And some people changed their mind. They went from Hosanna, you know, to crucify him, you know. And so here we are. Jesus, you know, was, uh, he was accepted as king. When you look at verse, uh, verse uh, 19, you know, uh, how they reacted to him, just looking back a little bit, you know, but in verse uh, uh, 20, but verse uh, 12, amen, let's look back over there, verse 12, it says, and on the next day, much people that will come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Okay, so some people came there, man, to accept him as their king. They had heard enough. They had been convinced enough. They'd seen enough miracles. Family members were walking now, seeing now. Wasn't, they weren't having to push him around and carry him around on a pallet to get to the feast, to get to the Passover. So they weren't walking on their own now. And they said, the least we can do is go pay our respects because this might be the last time we get to hear or see anything. So they came for the right reason. You know, some of the Greeks requested to see him, personally requested to see him because it was so crowded they couldn't get to him. It was like back in the crowd, but they wanted to be able to see him. Verse 21, he says, the same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethesda of Galilee and desired him. See, they wanted to see him saying, sir, we would see Jesus. Now, you got to remember who Philip is. Philip is actually an elder. He's an evangelist. Remember, he got four daughters. OK, so he's kind of got a little position now. He's, he's in charge a little bit. So he directing traffic. And they recognized Philip and they came to Philip because Philip knew who Jesus was, you know. And they wanted to know if, if Philip, can you get us a little FaceTime with him, Philip? 
you know, can we, we can you can we get a little backstage time? We we just want to let him know how much we thank him. Look at my blind uncle; he can see now. Look at my lame uh, cousin; he walking now. We just we just want to personally, you know, get in his face and tell him how much we appreciate and how much we thank him. We we want to just you know give him his due honor, and 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 so you know, and so they they were there to seek him to, to show some gratitude and to thank him while he was still with them. Because they had a good feeling that everything that had been prophesied, this particular group of people here, was true. That this might be the last time they get to thank him, you know, face to face and in person. So they went to Philip, man, and tried to do it the right way. They didn't have no, 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 no wrong, incorrect motives. Their motives were to really go to him and let him know how much they appreciate him. Because they recognized him as a king. Others was kind of didn't, didn't go there. They knew he was king, but they would never admit it. Because their their positions were threatened, and they thought they were going to be weakened in their little high seats and high horses, whatnot. Verse twenty two, he says, Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip telleth Jesus. Okay, you know, and Jesus. There's some people here in the crowd. They don't misunderstand who you are. They know you're the king. They want to. They want to. They want to get close to you. They want to touch you. They want to be able to bless you. They want to tell you how much. They want to give you the fruit of their lips. They want to give you the what's do, what what's do you, for what you have done for them, and they feel like this might be the last time, you know. But they went to Jesus and let him know there was those people in the crowd that were seeking him out because they recognized him as king. Verse twenty three. Let's work with this misunderstanding. This misunderstanding here, okay? It says, 23, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Okay? The Son of Man should be glorified. So there is the first misunderstanding about his glory. But there are some people who understand about it. They're, they're, they're on board, you know, because they recognize he'd been telling them all along that the hour had not yet come, but when it comes, he was going to let them know. So he letting them know that he had to die now before he could be glorified. You know, clearing up that misunderstanding. I, I, I know I said I was going to be glorified, but I got to die to do it. OK, so if I don't, you, you, you there will be no more fruit like what you're bearing right now that it can be that will be bared because I got to die to produce more fruit, more seed. You are part of the seed of what I've done already. You know, this is what he's telling them. Philip and Andrew is hearing this. You know, because these people that were seeking him out as king privately to have a little time with them, that was some of the seed of the work he had did. And they know this and he know this. And he's saying, but what you re got to realize is that except I fall in the ground as a morsel of weed and die, we're going to abide alone. You're going to abide alone. There'll be no more fruit. So I have to complete this, you know, that there may be more fruit. So he cleared up that misunderstanding about his glory, you know, but it could only show forth and happen that veil could only be read to give access for more people to get around the, the ceremonial way of, 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 of getting to him, getting to his presence. He had to fall in the ground and die now that everybody could come to him and be saved, you know, you know. And so they understood what he was saying. OK, verse 24, he says, verily, verily, I say, uh, say unto you. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. You know, so he knew that there was just a few people coming to him, but he knew that there was a large crowd out there that was about to witness a, a, a great phenomenon, the conclusion of his, his life on earth. They were getting ready to see something that was going to change their life. And some of them, it did. Some was converted by the sight of him on that cross. You know, and he knew this, man. He knew this. You know, and so he was clearing up that misunderstanding for those who were seeking him out as king. 
to show some appreciation, even for those out there in the crowd that re still refuse to, to understand his glory. You know, call him a blasphemer, you know. Verse 25, he says, he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. And so this was his hour, the son of man, hour had also come, and now uh, somebody had to be uh, loosed, you know, because of him giving eternal life, paying for eternal life. And see, think about this. Even though the people chose Barabbas, amen, God could not have allowed it if he didn't want to. Because, see, what you have to understand in their minds, their misunderstanding was this, that Jesus had to die to fall in the ground and die. But his sacrifice freed a criminal, a murderer, yes. Barabbas. Because, see, God was in control. God could have said, no, that criminal is not going to be released. But because he paid such a high premium on what Jesus was doing, Barabbas gained his freedom because Jesus was getting ready to die. It's just like the thief on the cross. Even in dying, he set a captive free. Never even met Barabbas, but knew Barabbas. Didn't say nothing about Barabbas. But, see, God would take the foolishness of man and confine the wise. So you see, the plan of salvation here is still setting captives free. Even in dying, Barabbas gained his life. Now, I don't know what the history of Barabbas was from that day forward, but some of the commentary that I read, man, said that it, it caused Barabbas to start thinking differently about who is this guy right here? Who is this man? Everybody's out here. You know, he, Barabbas was in prison. He heard them out there when Jesus was making his way into the city, singing Hosanna, Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? Save. Barabbas heard that in prison. He heard that. He heard them singing, save, save. His life was saved. And, and, and I don't read where he, he responded that way, but I know he heard them singing Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. Yes. Save, save. And now he's free, regardless of, of who let him go, but he's free. And so he heard what, he, what they said about him. He heard it, and it happened in his life. And he could have went on, I don't know, and became a great evangelist and telling other people, I heard it with my own ears. In some kind of way, I was free. Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, praying, singing. And Jesus came to set the captive free. But Robert's forgiveness, man, was, was, was in what he was talking about, what he was doing, what he was presenting himself. And no doubt there were family members praying for Barabbas to change, praying that he would get out and do, live, live a different life. And I choose to believe that I know this man maybe had a misunderstanding, maybe thought he deserved to be in prison, maybe he didn't think that he'd ever get out, but now he's free. And everything that took place up until that point, man, had everything to do with Jesus. And I believe the family members that had been praying for his release, they remember what Jesus had said. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And they singing Hosanna, save, save. Yes. And now Barabbas is free. It was a swap. Jesus' life for his life. Yes. His sin debt was paid and he never even, we don't, I don't know whether he confessed. I don't know whether he was in that prison saying, if you are the Savior, save me, free me. All I know that, you know, God's will was done. 
so that hour had come and, and, and that man received his life right there. Like he said, you know, he that loveth his life shall lose it. You know, and I, I believe that when they heard when when robbers heard them singing that. That he thought about, I deserve to lose my life, but hmm, is there another way to lose it? I hear what they're saying. I, I hear what he's out there teaching. And I believe some conviction came on him. I don't know. He might have repented and asked the Lord to save him like the thief did. You know, from this day forward, you know, you're going to be with me in paradise. Something happened that got, you know, got him free. Verse 26, it says, and if a man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall he, he says, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So man must follow, first of all. In order to serve God, you gotta you gotta make up your mind. You gotta be willing to do that, okay? And then don't just say I'm gonna serve you, Lord, but go ahead on and follow Jesus, so that you can be assured, you know, of having Jesus' presence always with you, no matter where you go. God's honor will always rest on your life. I believe that was a deal that was just too good to be true for a lot of people in that crowd. You know, what an offer he's offering them that God will honor you if you follow me. But you're getting ready to die. Well, you followed me to this cross, right, to see me die. So continue to follow me after I get off this cross because I will rise again. Remember, I got to fall in the ground and die so that I don't abide alone. More of your family members are going to come because you're going to go back and tell them what you witnessed. They crucified my Savior. But he said he was going to get up in three days. We're going to go check that tomb out if he do, wherever they put him. So they was already planning. They had to verify. They had to go check it out. And we know who the first evangelist was that got to that tomb early that morning and checked it out. The rest of them had Peter and all the rest of them, man. They went on, man, about their business because they felt like that was the end. But God was getting ready to show himself something. But he had to finish what he started, clear up that misunderstanding, you know, and he says, you must serve me and to serve me requires you to follow me so that you can be assured that, you know, I'm who I say I am. That way, God will honor you. That's the only way he going to honor you. You got to accept his son for who God said he is and who I say I am. I am that I am. Remember, he asked Peter, Peter, who do men say that I am? This is all coming into play right here, clearing up this misunderstanding. Well, Peter, who do you say that I am? Because you're going to be instrumental. I'm going to change your name. You're going to be instrumental. You might not be the first one to get to the tomb to verify, but you're going to, I'm going to change your name. Because I prayed for you. Satan at that door to sift you like wheat. He's going to use misunderstanding. He's going to try to confuse you. I'm telling you this, Peter, right now, because you're going to be that message that you, that you have right now. <coughs> what you have witnessed right now, even when you denied me when the clock struck twice. I prayed for you, though. You know, Because, see, the things, Peter, that you witnessing, flesh and blood didn't reveal them to you, but my father. And I'm going to use that later because upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, Peter. That message that you have in you, that witness that you have seen, that you have observed about what I proclaim, who I proclaim to be. You, you toiling with that right now. You struggling with that right now. But you having your understanding enlightened right now because it's happening right before you. It just wasn't said, Peter. It's actually happening. Yeah. What I said I was going to do, I'm doing it. You witnessing it. You know, whether you come out and openly admit it or not, but it's still happening. It ain't stopping because you don't believe it. Because God said it, he's going to bring it to pass, clearing up all that misunderstanding. And he's working on Peter, who's going to be instrumental in preaching the gospel. You know, you remember over there in the book of Acts chapter two, 
He was preaching and convict their hearts. And, and he, they asked him, what must we do? That was Peter. And he said, repent of your sin, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and you shall receive, you know, the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is a promise to you, your children. Many as the Lord our God shall call them, many as are far off. That was Peter. You know, he's recalling all of this then, if you spin it forward in Acts. And so we go on here, man, to see now, you know, he says, if any man serve me, you know, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be those who follow me. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Verse 27, he says, now is my soul troubled for that hour had come. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Another misunderstanding here. They got to understand the cause of why all this is taking place. Yesterday, we tried to un help people understand historically, you know, since then and later, how the Passover was to play heavily into the plan of salvation. Here it is right here. Okay. Misunderstanding about his cause. Why did Jesus have to come? It troubled his heart that so many out there responded to him in misunderstanding, misinterpreting what he was doing didn't really hear clearly what he was saying. That's why you got to pray that God give ear to hear what does say the spirit of the Lord to the church. That was, that was many churches, uh, people assembled out there. Many people who attended the synagogue on a regular basis. Many people who had heard the priest stand up and open the Bible and read the word before them. That's how they did it back then. Constantly reading Moses law to reinforce to them what their fathers had did when they was in the wilderness, you know, warning them, don't do what they did. Turn to God. Trust God. Make him your king. He is your Lord. They had been hearing that over and over again. Okay. You know, and so he wanted to clear up this misunderstanding about why he came. Under us, a child is born. Under us, a son is given. You know, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They had heard this prophecy read to them. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. In other words, what they were doing, their counsel was supposed to be on his shoulder. But they limited themselves to Moses' law. Abraham's teaching. Now you got the Christ, the incarnated word of God living among you, full of grace and full of truth. And you choose not to recognize his cause for coming. To be the light of men, to be the life of men, you know, so that any of them, many of them has received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God, letting us know that everybody in that crowd was not his son already, had not accepted him already. You know, but thank God that he's clearing up this misunderstanding. You know, and it troubled his heart that they still responded to him in that way. Uh, you know, it was a great cause, you know, to die for man's sin. They didn't think they had no sin. They thought they was righteous, but it was self-righteousness. They, they thought they was right in their own mind. Fools, you know. And Jesus looked beyond that, that shortcoming. And he still was going to die and let them know he's dying for their sins. That was his cause they misunderstood. So he prays a prayer. He says, Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. That's a prayer he prayed. And he prayed it audibly so they could hear it. They heard it. They probably, some of them probably sitting there laughing, talking about, listen to him. You know. Why he want to be saved? Who is he praying to? He praying to the Father. You know. Remember how the disciples, they heard it. What, guess what they asked him to do? Teach us how to pray because we don't know how to pray. He just prayed. They heard that. They know they haven't been praying like that. They asked God to save them. But here Jesus, now the son of God, he asking God to save him. If, if, you know, it be God's will. Save him from that hour. It troubled his heart. You know, probably in the spirit, he probably was thinking they don't, they don't deserve this. 
but I've committed to this. You know, I, I've told the father I would do this to the end. I got to in order to be glorified. And so he goes on in verse 28 and he says, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Okay, Jesus is saying, I'm going to do it right now before you die. I'm going to do it after you die. I'm going to continue to do it through all eternity. Because if you fulfill and complete this, you have just reconciled them back into a good relationship with me. You're going to be the bridge. You're going to be the way. For every generation coming after you, you're going to be the way, you're going to be the truth, and you're going to be the life. And no one will be able to get to me except they come by you. I'm going to do that for you, son, because you obeyed me all the way to the end, even the point of death. And you did not sin in doing it. You fulfilled the law. You didn't destroy it. And you have provided them with a living example, living proof of what man can do when he's in a relationship and committed to the father. Willing to take up his cross and follow you, willing to die daily. You have given them a living example. You are the proof of who I am. And when they see you, son, you have presented me to them. For that, I'm going to glorify you. For that, I'm going to use your finished work on the cross to save generations beyond this generation. They're going to know that truth because it's going to continue to be in the mouth of my select, my elected ones, my chosen ones. The ones that will receive my spirit so that I always be with them and in them. To be a witness unto others, generations to come, that are even those that are far off, you know. So when Jesus is praying this prayer, man, the father is hearing him and he said, I'm going to glorify you again. You watch what's going to happen when you give up that ghost. You watch what's going to happen to those 120 that's going to go up in that upper room when that angel see them out there looking at you going up. And you're talking to them with nail, with holes in your hand and nails in your feet and crown of thorns on your head. And you're going up and they're staring there, missing you already. Don't want you to leave. They had such a good time while you was with them. But they're remembering what you said. Go back into Jerusalem. Go back into the upper room where we had supper at last night. And tarry there. Pray there until you be endued with power from on high. Thank God that they did it. Thank God that they obeyed him. Thank God that they followed the voice of that angel. That messenger, you know, that reminded them. Verse 29, he says, and the people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said, you know, that it thundered. Others said an angel spake. So the people now are confused. But the people that followed him had witnessed, you know, had turned their life, had been converted. They were not confused. It was all of those who had rejected him, not accepted him, didn't receive what he was saying. Yeah, they was confused because the enemy, you got to remember, is working too. While Jesus is working, Satan is working. He's going to and fro seeking whom he may devour. I think he found a few people that right there, important people with titles, with reputations, somebody who thought, nobody who thought they were somebody. Confusion came in, the spirit of confusion <coughs> sent by Satan right into their midst to confuse them about this beautiful <coughs> conclusion of Jesus's earthly ministry. You know, for those who have been following him and listening to him and receiving him, remember now they received power to become the sons of God. They still the sons of God, even in death. But then there was that group in the crowd that was confused because Satan had been influencing them all along, confusing them all along because he's a master at using confusion. The truth stand you in the faith, the truth speaking to you. The life you're supposed to live is right being lived before you. The way to get to the father is right there telling you I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. 
There was those like Thomas who doubted him in the crowd. Thomas wasn't the only one. But Thomas is said, show me this, this sign and, and I'll believe. And Jesus came through the wall after he had died and, and got up, man, walked through the wall and told Thomas to put his hand right there, examine him. Yes. There was some in the crowd, they weren't thinking about no examining. They weren't thinking about the prophetic scriptures at that time. They wanted to get their hands on him, man, and shut him up, choke the life out of him. Because he had did incredible things that they would never do. They couldn't do nothing but dream about it. Jesus is actually walking in it on the way to the cross to die. Powerful. So there was confusion that came in. We know who, who's the author of confusion. It wasn't Jesus. It wasn't those who believed on him. But Satan was working in that crowd. Verse 30, he said, Jesus answered and said, this force came not because of me, but for your sake. You know, God's purpose, you know, was to show his approval of Jesus Christ, his son. That was God working. Okay. 31, he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. See, he's right there in the midst creating confusion. But what is he going to tell them when Jesus get on that cross and die? And it thunder, you know, and the sky open up and the veil is red in the temple, just like the prophets had said. What, a, what is he going to do? People going to submit to God when this happened. The Roman soldiers, everybody going to say that is the son of God. Satan going to flee because the Bible says in James, when you submit yourself and draw, draw near to God, the devil will flee from you for a season. Look at what he's saying right there. He, he, he recognized God is working here and I can't stop what Jesus is getting ready to do. I, I, I can try to use confusion to get people, man, to, to, you know, to, to continue to doubt and misunderstand. But look at what it says right here. Jesus said, you know, because of me, but it's for your sake. 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Y'all that are confused. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Look at that misunderstanding being cleared up. Because the focus of God is on the world. The focus of Satan was on them few people that was confused. And he realized right now, I'm getting ready to lose this battle. Because I can't stop what God has started. The work that God has begun, he's going to continue to perform it until the day of his return. He who has begun that good work. He had begun this work in Jesus when Jesus accepted the mission. And Jesus was going to finish the work. And Satan realized that before the people in the crowd that was confused realized it, Satan realized it. God, he, God is in control of this thing, man. You know, because he sent his son, man, to save the world. And for those who did not want to be saved in the world, they were going to be judged. Those are your two extremes. You're either going to be saved and be rewarded with salvation, eternal life, or you're going to be judged and be condemned by God and experience the punishment and the wrath of God. You know, Satan realized this, you know, it had to be judged because there was those in the world that was in the world, living of the world. We, we were in the world, but we can't we, we can't be of the world, you know, and there were some in the crowd who understood the difference. It is ruled by Satan, the prince of this world. Satan knew who he called him out, the prince of this world. But he also told him, you're getting ready to be judged right now. You know, you know. And so he said, the only way that you can be conquered and defeated and judged is my son got to get on that cross, just like it was prophesied. I got to fulfill that prophecy. It's got to come to pass. Today is the day of salvation. So it's got to be conquered by the cross. 
you know, because sin got to be nailed to that cross. It's got to be crucified. And my son has become, you know, the, 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 the sin of the world bearing on him right now. He's got to finish what he started on that cross. He's got to finish what he committed that he was going to do when he accepted that cup. Ain't no backing out now. Ain't no turning back now. Satan knew this. That's why he got up out of Dodge, because he was going to have to give some answers to some folk that was following him. And he's a coward. He don't, he don't have no answers because he too going to worship God. Isn't that what the Lord told him when he was tempted in the wilderness before he got to the temple? You too going to worship God, saying, get thee behind me. You know, verse 33, two, he says, and, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Okay, that cross, okay, that cross was going to conquer, okay, uh, uh, judgment was going to conquer, you know, what they were dealing with. 33, he says, this he says, signifying what death he should die. Okay. What death he should die that had already been told is being re they being reminded because there's so much confusion, uh, so much misunderstanding, so much misinterpretation of the prophetic scriptures that they already knew. Verse 34, he says, the people answer him. We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Clearing up this misunderstanding about the confusion about the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. I'm with you. I'm the one that you were looking for. I'm the light of the world. You know, the people misunderstood the Messiah, so he clears it up. He answered their question. He answered their question not with some new phenomenon, not with some new prophecy. He answered the question on what Isaiah the prophet had already prophesied. That's what I love about Jesus. He always confirmed what the prophet had said, giving the people a chance to reflect and to remember. That's why sometimes we have to put things on people's mind that they can reflect, they can remember, especially backsliders and prodigal sons and daughters, people who once walked with God and went back. Give them more truth. Don't change it. You know, verse 35, he says, then Jesus said unto them, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. Now, remember just a little bit before the one that walks in darkness was there. Satan was there. Darkness was there in the midst of them. And the Lord said, he don't even know where he's going. He don't know what he's doing. He don't even know what his fate is. He don't know what his destiny is. He don't know, you know, where his future is going to be if he don't turn and worship God like the rest of you. He's doomed. He's already condemned. He's in your midst right now. I got him located. I know what he's up to. You don't know, but I know. Trust me. You know, let me clear up this misunderstanding about who I am, not about who he is. Get your eyes off who he is. Get your eyes on who I am. Be concerned about who I am. You know, that's the focus right there. The claim that I made, I just made, you know, I'm the light. I'm the Messiah. He's not. He's darkness. He represents darkness and light and darkness can't walk together except they agree. That's why he left. That's why he confused you and left. You know, but he'll be back. You know, the claim he is the light of the Messiah, but the light is to be extinguished. You know, the need that they had was to walk in the light, you know, it's to be extinguished. OK, but if you walk in it, it can, you know, you are going to be that city that sit on the hill that cannot be hid. Satan is trying to extinguish the light. He's trying to put it out. He's trying to preach darkness to you. False light, fake light, you know, Illuminati, that kind of stuff. But Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world and you're going to walk in the light as I am the light because I'm with you right now. As long as I'm with you, there's light. But when I leave, you're going to have to receive me through my spirit so that the light will remain with you and in you. 
and you are to let that light so shine going forth that men will see your good works and they too will glorify our Father which is in heaven as I'm glorifying him now. You know, that's my claim. You know, I just told you that in verse 30, uh, verse 34. So let's go ahead on now, verse 36, and we're going to end right here. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Okay? And so the last thing he tells them is walk in the light, but look at what he says here as we end in verse 36. You can't walk in it until you believe in it. It's kind of it's hard. Something is wrong with your walk if you don't believe in the walk. If you don't believe that he's the light of the world, you won't be able to walk in the light as he is the light. Everything happens when you begin to believe. That clears up misunderstanding. That clears up confusion. Just come to him and believe he's who he says he is, and he's going to do what he said. That's the key. Father, we thank you. We praise you this morning, Lord God, for clearing up the misunderstanding, clearing up the confusion. Lord God, we saw light and darkness at work in the midst of these people, Lord God. And some of them had a decision to make to walk in the light, but they had to believe the light. We're praying today that for anyone out there that's still lost, have not yet turned to you, still walking in darkness, probably don't even know, Father, that they're walking in darkness. But we know that there's a great light that have shined. We know the day that your word has gone forth, Lord God, to clear up any misunderstanding, any confusion about your cause, about your glory, Lord God, about your, your, your claim that you are the Messiah, the light of the world. We're praying that your word is the book of Psalms, chapter 119. I want to say, Father, verse 105, it may be verse 130, uh, that that word has gone out. And when it enters in, it gives light, Lord God, to that dark place, that dark soul, that one, Lord God, that is bound by confusion right now. We know that you are not the author of confusion, but it comes from Satan, and he's at work as a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion, but he tries to work like one and try to trick people, Lord God, with confusion about who you are and who they are in Christ. But we thank you today, Lord God, that the misunderstanding have been cleared up by your word, and we thank you that you have sent your word now to revive and give life to somebody out there right now that is bound by some darkness in their life. We thank you for breaking that cycle, breaking that blindness, that they can see the Christ that's about to be exalted, about to be lifted up in their life right now. He's already exalted himself in his word above all else, and he has magnified his word above all his name. Let the word of God be magnified right now in the mind, in the heart, in the life of that soul that's hearing this, maybe for the first time, that backslider that have tasted before and have lost that taste. God, rekindle that fire. Rekindle that desire. Bring them back to you. Let that covenant kick in and minister to them that you are married to the backslider. We thank you for prodigal sons and daughters who are out there right now on spring break at the beaches making plans to go out and celebrate in the world Lord God continue to drink and, and giving in marriage as it was in the day of Sodom and Gomorrah as it was in the day before the flood came when suddenly Lord God the flood came when suddenly Lord God my God the angel Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah in the surrounding region we're praying today that none will be destroyed Lord God because they operate in confusion misunderstanding and misinterpretation of the scriptures but we're praying right now today that they'll know the truth and the truth will make them free is our prayer this morning in Jesus' wonderful name. Now seal this word, Lord God. Let it not come back void. Let it do what you please in the prayer for what you sent it. In Jesus' name, amen.